What up, Lokes and Lokettes? It's the Bakotunes Podcast brought to you by Bakotopia.com. Yes, on this episode 55, the Bakotunes Podcast proudly welcomes James Monkey Schaefer, guitar player for the band responsible for changing metal music as we know it today. Corn, trendsetters, emotional rock and roll gangsters with an affinity for thumping bass and detuned guitars. And of course, the art of the growl, mastered by lead vocalist Jonathan Davis. Monkey took a break from the current Family Values tour to hang out with Bakotopia on August 10, 2007. All right, let's do the time warp again and go back to 94. Nirvana's Kurt Cobain dies, Seattle grunge begins to loosen its grip on the nation, and rock and roll is in dire need of a respirator. Ha! Leave it to Bakersfield homies corn to revive the scene. A band freshly sprung forth from the ashes of bands LAPD, Creep, and Sex Art. Everything from the music, fashion, promotions, and marketing, Bako's most famous native sons, next to the late but always great Buck Owens, have always been on top of their game, even as times and tastes have changed on MTV and radio. The secret to the band's longevity is easy. It's the fans. No band has done more to keep their fans close and in the loop than corn. Could it be their Bakersfield upbringing? Well, you're about to hear the story as you never have before, so take a break and enjoy. It's James Monkey Schaefer of Corn right here on Bakotunes Podcast, episode 55, brought to you by Bakotopia.com. Are you ready? Hey, Matt. Hey, Monkey. How's it going? Good, good. I'm in Indiana. Indiana. You guys playing tonight? Uh, yeah, we are. Bakersville Homebay over here, big fan, been following you guys, so I really appreciate you taking the time, first of all. Um, no problem. How have the crowd responses been with the Family Values Tour so far? Overwhelming. <laughs> to say the least, I, I'm it's sure. It's been overwhelming. <laughs> I mean, every fan stays until our last song. I mean, I'd say, I, I would say every fan. 90%, which is, it's hard to do on, say, maybe a, a, a Monday or, you know, when people have to work the next day and... They've been out all day partying and. Well, how do you choose? How do you choose the bands to be on the Family Values store every year? We want to pick bands that we like, mm-hmm. bands that we want to help, do and then you- hopefully they have they you know they'll have a record, which helps that they can they can go out and promote for themselves and you know or a sing for radio that always helps bring people out to the show and like I'm looking at logistically also there's that side of it okay we 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 talk about taking a band that we like but if they don't have a record and nobody knows about them it becomes harder <laughs> i hear you the, the first time that the, the actual family values tour has ever really come to bakersfield what can the fans expect well i think we're playing inside so we're going to try to get as many bands as we can up there cuz we do have to scale up the actual festival cuz as you know we're doing sheds and this tour is mostly every show has been outside so you're not you're not going to have the second stage performers which is a bummer cuz there's some good ones over there but every band that's on the main stage is great and we'll put on their best show and by that time the show's already running really smoothly and everyone's very comfortable with you guys will have everyone. you guys will have it down to a science already by then oh yeah it'll be it'll be like a a well-oiled machine. Cool. Now, are you guys going to be doing any of the unplugged performance? No. I really like that album, man. That was fantastic. I appreciate that. <laughs> but it, it's like after rehearsing and doing, and it's like, actually, you know, it's funny because on the tour, we set up there's sort of thing that we're going to start doing tomorrow when we go to Atlanta, and that's a, it's a kind of an open mic thing that we have some practice amps and a little tiny PA, and we got a, a few percussion instruments. And we're going to start doing that outside my bus. 
and actually they were just setting up in the in in the front of the bus to see if all the mics and everything were working so that when we got to Atlanta tomorrow we could film that and include it in the DVD of the Family Values tour just to give the fans like a little view of how we pass the day well you know just speaking of the DVD Corn's marketing definitely been like one of the band's like strongest points all these years and and has kept the band out there you did the Corn TV the after school special the, of course the Family Values tour very fan oriented marketing you know what's the creative process behind those ideas we kind of come up with different ideas together be- between whether it be me jonathan fieldy management people at the record label and it's presented to us and as an idea and either we say yes and we will do it and this sounds like a great idea or we like your idea let's tweak it so that it's the way we want it. Now, you personally, who do you cite as as your biggest musical influence? My guitar playing? The hard one, but I think the one that, the guitar player that had the most impact on me was Steve Vai. You ever jam with him it, before? I'm sure you have. I have, yeah. And how, how's that experience when you guys get together? Well, we have only did it once. <laughs> and it was pretty surreal. I couldn't believe I was jamming with well, like, my you, idol, you know? When you run into your idol like that, you're kind of apprehensive at first to, to meet somebody like that? Because, you know, when some people meet their idols, it doesn't kind of live up to the expectations because they have such visions of them, but was well, it positive? Well, I, mean, I think people, especially if, if, if I may say, especially the, the American culture, we're so celebrity-driven. We think that they're not people, and there's a misconception that, we, hey, we have our problems. It may look good with smoke and mirrors when we come out on stage, but at the end of the day, we have finance, family problems, you know, all the same. So, you know, if, if you walk up to a fan uh, or someone, you know, a movie star, I've walked up to several movie stars and say, hey, I love your work. And they're not polite. Yeah, that's a bummer. I mean, it, it's not like living up to the expectations. But it's, just, well, yeah. it, it's on how you perceive it. Now, I want to go back. During the LAPD days, you know, when you guys would come to Bakersfield, where was it that you actually saw Jonathan perform for the first time? Uh, it was, a, it was a, uh, a bar that was off Stockdale Highway. I don't know if it's still there or not. Was it John Bryan's? Yes. Okay. Now, now I talked to somebody who was at the show that you guys played at another club that was just right across the parking lot. It was at the Moonlight Lounge. Was that the same one? That was LAPD. Yeah. Now, did you guys just come to see, to check out what Jonathan was doing? You know, you heard about this band, Sex Art? No. I knew nothing about a, a band called Sex Art. It was me and Brian. We had been traveling back. It was a New Year's Eve. We had gone up to Francisco to see Mr. Bungle. And on the way home, we stopped in Bakersfield to say hi to our families, and Brian did some laundry. And then after that, I had promised my friend Andy Zapata, who was in uh, another, who I, who I was in a band with when I was very young, and his his band went on. to I can't remember what they were called. Oh, Too Lazy to Steal. Too Lazy to Steal. Yeah, that's what they were. <laughs> you, uh, you know, everything. But let me tell you, but yeah. this is what happened. I went to go see them, and John's band, Sex Art, played after that. So I was, you know, that's how the story came about. I came to see Andy's band. And then when, when Brian and I were walking out, you know, Sex Art had started, and we were already kind of saying goodbye to everybody. And then we stopped because we're like, when we heard his voice, it was like, oh, that's got a really unique tone. You know, let's let's stay and check this out for a little bit. Because from there, we're driving back to L.A., which we all lived in Burbank at the time. How, how long did the whole, when you guys approached him and all that, how long was that process between the time that you guys saw him until you convinced him to come and join the band? Well, it was 
We had another band at the time called Creep. When we lost our singer in the band that we had, Creep, which started immediately after Richard Morrow left LAPD. Yeah. So me and David, me and David, and we kept going. Me and David and Reggie kept going and got another singer. He ended up quitting, and that's when we thought it would be a good idea to call Jonathan. It was cool because he he's from Bakersfield, and, you know, to keep that hometown, yeah, everyone's from Bakersfield, you know, so that's kind of, that's a cool element. It's easy to relate because you guys have kind of all been through the same kind of love it and hate it type relationship with Bakersfield. Yes, I know this relationship. <laughs> I... Now, when you, know, when you guys started developing the sound for Corn, what was the approach that you guys had for the new band? Jonathan's coming out of sex art. He was kind of bringing something new to Bakersfield. Then LAPD was pretty much over with. How did you guys develop that sound? You know, it's so distinctive. It was totally just opposite of the whole Seattle grunge thing. Well, I think we were already kind of on a... We were already on to something with the band Creep because at that point, having Steve Vai be one of my biggest influences, he came out with this guitar called The Universe, the seven-string guitar. And that's when I was... I wasn't shred so much, but when I thought, wow, if I could write some heavy rhythms with that, with the low strings on that guitar and use it in a different way, because, you know, he uses the whole guitar from, <laughs> from yeah. fret from fret to fret, yeah, exactly. but I'm thinking if I can come up with some heavy grooves and, you know, and that's how, and then feel the bottom five string bass after that so he could detune with me. Yeah, that's and, and, and I wanted to take it a step further and take the guitar and detune it a whole step lower than a standard tuning. That's when we knew we were onto something. And then that's when the, we sent the demos over to, to Jonathan and Bakersfield, the demos that we had done with Ross Robinson, the original Creep demos. That's when he, I think, you know, I, honestly, I don't think he really liked them. I mean, <laughs> but, but it was an opportunity for him to get out of Bakersfield and try something. And, and some of his family members and friends were like, go for it. You know, all that you can do is it not work out and you can come back. You know, and you got to take that chance when when opportunity presents itself. Well, you know, one thing I noticed is that right after the Ozzy Metallica tour, it seems like that's when you guys just, like, started to really take off. And I know you've probably been asked this a million times, but are you really aware of the impact that Korn has had on popular music and culture? Well, I mean, I see, you know, I get a lot of fans coming up to me telling me, Dude, I play a string guitar because of you, or, or you saved my life, and because of, you know, what they found in Jonathan's lyrics, you know, you guys have been through a hard time. And that, that's a reflection of how great the impact is. I mean, if you can change or help that, those, that many lives, and, but I don't have an idea because I don't speak to every one of our fans. Like, you know, we would love to have time to do that, but uh, that's why we create different things that interact with them and we can, whether it be in-store signings or web chats and, you know, stuff where they wouldn't normally act be able to ask, ask us questions. No, that's fantastic. I mean, you guys have kind of really laid the foundation for like this new generation of bands on how to re remain successful as the tastes have changed. The new album, I just picked it up. I love it. It's what I expected a little bit more from Corn, but what, what do you say sets it apart from the rest of your guys' catalog? Because, you know, besides it just being the three core members now, you, Jonathan, and Fieldy, what sets this album apart from the others? I think that this it's a different writing team. I mean, we have, it's obviously Jonathan's voice, and that's going to be the most recognizable thread through the record. The sound of my guitar on some of the heavy riffs, feel these bass sound. But then you've got producers that are writing with us. We have a keyboard player writing with us. We had Terry Bozio playing drums on some of the songs. Yeah. So it's essentially a different writing 
team, you know, and you're going to get a different result, a much different result than, than, say, take a look in the mirror, which had all five original members. You know, how, how often do you visit Bakersfield, you know, outside of touring? <laughs> Man, we're, we're on the road so much. When I get home, I, I, re, I, I don't get there that much. Um, probably a couple times a year. And I can't believe where I used to live in Rosedale. I mean, because yeah. they used to be dirt fields. That's where I rode my motorcycle. <laughs> Through, through those fields down just past, uh, you know, my old elementary school, which was uh, Rosedale Elementary. All that was all just wide open fields, and you could take that dirt, dirt road all the way down to the river bottom and uh, ride down there. I can't believe the development now. I'm, I'm just I'm blown away. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what uh, Jake Chavez, you know, your buddy Jake Chavez here. He's, yeah, uh, Jake Chavez, yeah. good guy, good man. I miss him. I haven't seen him in quite a long time. Yeah, I told him I was going to be interviewing you, and he said, yeah, he goes, well, he said, Rosedale, man. He goes, I, he goes, I remember when he lived out in Rosedale and stuff like that. That's funny you that's say funny. that. That's funny, yeah. Because, <laughs> but, you know, the weird thing was that I went to East Bakersfield High School after I graduated Rosedale Elementary in uh-huh. from me grade and then because they needed more kids at East Bakersfield High so they just threw you over there <laughs> I'm on an interview I'm not doing it <laughs> he better do it is John doing it he got bit Jonathan got bit by a bug oh wow hectic day bro now that all this time has gone by with Bakersfield what does the city mean to you now compared to like back in the 90s well there's happiness but we had a hard time growing up there so it's a lot of good memories but also me personally I have a lot of bad memories as well so it it becomes kind of a bittersweet visit when I go there but it's incredible to see some of our old friends and they just they can't believe that oh my god you guys we thought you guys made it when you left and got signed and you had a band called LAPD now it's like uh, we go back and they're just in awe you know it's like hey it's still me you know yeah. I'll always be from Rosedale I even have a Bakersfield accent which trips <laughs> people out because a lot of people ask me where are you from you have dreadlocks you play in a rock band and you have a southern accent so it kind of throws them off because Bakersfield is a bit of a melting pot Absolutely. for cultures it's like a mini melting pot of cultures you know which is good I mean um, especially now I mean a lot has changed definitely since the 90s and the, like you're talking about the development of Rosedale it's the whole landscape of Bakersfield is completely different now I remember sitting out on uh, I think it's kind of funny there's a cemetery on um, see uh, what's the highway that runs along the bluff Panorama Yo, yeah Greenland Panor- yeah Greenland. I like to go by there because I like the the view of the, all the oil fields yeah. in, in itself is something that people have to see. You know, they just you think you think an oil field, you think an oil derrick in Houston or something. But when you get when you see all the oil pumps, it's it's quite a sight. But what we used to do, and and at night it's all lit up by those yellow lights. I used to, one of my favorite things would be to go on top of the Green Lawn Cemetery crypts, and we would climb on top of that, <laughs> and we drink and we drink beer and and just sit and uh, enjoy the the beauty of Oil Dale's oil pumps. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, honestly, it was one of the f- a fun thing to do, and oh, then. Yeah. It's the and simple, then in Rosedale, the simple, ple- simple pleasures that you develop living in Bakersfield. Yeah, and, and you know, there was always, you know, let's go to the dredge because there's a kegger or, <laughs> you know. I love it. Oh, yeah, Uh-oh. man. There was, uh, I just have a lot of good, a lot of good memories, though. Definitely more good than bad. I know, I know it's it's probably a difficult topic, but how difficult is it, you know, or was it to adjusting to moving on after, you know, Brian and David left the band? You know what? It's, it was, it was really difficult when Brian left the band for me because he was, we went to East High together. 
I bought my first electric guitar from him. He showed me how to play the songs in his basement right in, uh, you know, after East High or at lunchtime, we would walk up to his house because he lived very close to the school. And we we were, you know, he was the first person that I knew before David and, and Reggie and John. Uh, not John. I never really knew John through high school. You know, he was the first person that I met when I started playing guitar. And so when Brian left, he was, you know, we were the left and right speaker, you know. You can't have a stereo if you only have one speaker. And, and so not only on a personal level, he's the one of the most heartfelt, loyal, talented people I know. He's just a loyal friend, you know. And, it, and that was really hard. And I had to step up and prove to myself and to my band, the remaining members, and to our fans that I can pers- I can persevere and musically and, and, and get through this. And, and we wrote another two albums since. And so, and, and then, and then recently, it's been very, very hard without David because David and I have been playing music for 20 years, and we've been friends for 20 years. And when you lose someone like that, it's you lose a family member, you know. Literally, you 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 lose a family member, and it's uh it's been really hard, and I I miss him so much, and I love him so much, and it's uh it just it's it's been hard. I think you know, obviously because David's he's not with us at the moment. I think that is he going to be returned? Is it temporary hiatus, or you don't know? I'd have to call him and see myself yeah. instead of having to. It's a, it's a very complicated situation. And I know you guys are really tired. I know it, it affected a lot of the fans, too. Believe me, okay. I, I'm telling you, imagine how they must, how I must feel. If they, if you think they're bummed. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, there's no question about it. I couldn't even start but the to thing think. Is, the, the thing is, is we were able to, you know, pull another record out. We still, we still get to make our art. And, you know, and it just, it's just hard. To, it's harder to do it without them. Personally, as a fan, I'm glad that you guys are still around, and we look forward to having you back over here in Bakersfield. You know, nine full-length albums, greatest hit CD, the remixes, the EPs. You know, what else can fans look forward to from Corn in the future? Well, we're going to put together a, a great DVD of the tour that we're doing now, and some footage and a CD of the Family Values with all the bands. And as far as I know, that's the next thing coming. What message do you have for your Bakersfield fans? You want to shout out to them? I just think that, you know, we can go all around the world, but our hometown fans are going to show us the most love more than anywhere in the world because they're going to the same schools, they're driving the same streets, they're going to the same supermarkets as we did, and I think that becomes more intimate, becomes more of an intimate relationship than just being a corn fan. There there becomes a sense of pride there. You'll see. If you go to the show, oh, absolutely. you'll know what I mean. Oh, absolutely. I've been, to, I've been to them all. Be safe. Thanks for taking the time, Monkey. We'll see you guys here in Bakersfield real soon, man. Okay, thanks. Take care. Peace. Bye-bye. Once again, special thanks to Monkey from Corn for hanging out with Bakotopia. If you haven't picked up Issue 9, the Corn Collector's Edition of Bakotopia Magazine, I suggest you do now, because when they're gone, they are gone. And don't forget to get your tickets to the Family Values Tour happening at Rabobank Arena in Baco on August 29, 2007 at 5 p.m. If you'd like to read a grip of cool corn stories and hear some more music, visit Bakotopia.com and search keyword corn. There's plenty of cobs to go around. You can also get caught up on all Bakotunes episodes by going to Bakotopia.com slash blogs slash Bakotunes or subscribe for free at iTunes. Just look for Bakotunes and take us everywhere. All right. Peace to corn. Thanks for listening. Peace.